Welcome to the Splinters Podcast from the team on the bench. Community Radio's leading no-holds-barred Friday night sports show. Available online and replayed on Triple H 100.1 FM. Now, here's your host, the Lord Mayor, Keith Topolsky. Yes, welcome to Splinters here on Triple H 100.1 FM, streaming live on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au. You can also download us at podcasts.com, at TuneIn, at Spotify, at iTunes. You can download us everywhere. You can download us in Siberia, in Kazakhstan, in North Korea, absolutely everywhere. I am the Lord Mayor, Keith Topolsky. It's early April, which means it's starting to get cooler outside, which means it's starting to warm up in the Northern Hemisphere. That means one thing, NHL playoff time. Bring it on. Eastern Conference we're going to start with, and joining us, he's becoming a star on the bench. People love him. They come from everywhere. They call him from everywhere to get him, get a piece of him. He's one of the Sydney Bears stars. He's, uh, he's a big name on Splinters. He's a big name on the bench. And it's a big welcome back to Jeremy Vasquez. Thanks, Keith. Uh, how's it going? Not too bad. How, how are you doing now that you're back from America? We did ask you when you came in on Splinters, but has Ron been pushing you through your paces or are things going fairly well at the moment in Bears preseason? Yeah, things are going well. Everyone's just getting their feet and, you know, t- getting the puck touches and whatnot, getting ready for the season. All right, fantastic. Speaking of getting ready for a season, they do say that the real season does start when the playoffs begin. So let's get straight into it. And the Metro Division. Now, this has been a bit This has been a bit of a dog's breakfast of a division this season because everybody thought that the Islanders would stink and the Penguins would take it by storm and the Capitals would have a bit of a hangover. But the Metro has dealt some real surprises so far this year. Yeah, the Metro has been a tight one, all within all within five points of each other. Um, Washington sitting up there in the first, and you know it's 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 a doggy dog world in in the Metro. Now, as we record this, Washington do sit on top of the Metro Division, so we're going to start with them, and that they've enjoyed some, shall we say, average goaltending. I wouldn't say with the, that they've particularly yeah, yeah. enjoyed the goaltending so far this season, but Alex Ovechkin has put up 51 goals. It's another 50-goal season for him. His shooting percentage is a little bit above what you would consider to be average, but he's getting some great support. I mean, John Carlson, as a defenseman, has posted 71 points in 73 games, and he's not what you consider an offensive defense by any stretch he's he's what they need right now they need they need a d-man putting up points and he's doing it for them you know setting up a vetchkin on the power play and and get getting all those assists racking them up absolutely and in, in terms of the capitals getting some really useful secondary scoring rather than just relying on ovechkin i suppose you could turn around and look for someone like evgeny kuznetsov who's posted 20 goals which is probably a little low for him but given that it's backstrom that has really been stepping up with Ovechkin over the last couple of seasons because Netsov posting 51 points through the season isn't that bad, especially when Tom Wilson was given a big, juicy, fat contract last season. And he's been a bit disappointing, only 40 points through the 60 games so far. Yeah, they're, they're underperforming to the Washington Capitals uh, standards, but I'm sure that they'll they'll pull it out for the playoffs and, and we'll certainly see some very interesting hockey in the coming well, weeks. They have reeled the Islanders in for top spot in the division. They, they did start slow, as you say, but that was a Stanley Cup hangover. In Alex Ovechkin's case, it was a literal hangover, not just a cup hangover, given how much he had to drink in the off-season. But they, they brushed through Pittsburgh last season. You've got to think that any path to the Cup for Washington will mean that Pittsburgh will have to go through... They'll have to go through Pittsburgh again, I should say. Now that they've thrown the monkey off the back, do they push through Pittsburgh easily again, or does Sid Crosby step up and say, you're not doing it again, Alex? Pittsburgh, are, they're definitely not a team to just look off. You know, they have uh, they have Gensel, obviously. He's a he's a goal-scoring machine in the playoffs, and they have Latang at the back, and Matt Murray is still, he's still doing his thing, you know? So there's, certain, there's certainly room for the Caps to really find some difficulty against the Penguins, although I don't think they're going to look at them and have any real mental demons, but even for the Penguins, sorry, for the Capitals, we'll get to the Penguins in a moment, but for Washington, if even if you can get through Pittsburgh, which is certainly doable for them now that they have thrown the monkey off the back finally. How does Washington beat Tampa? Because I'm looking at the way that Washington matches up and, you know, you've got Ovechkin, but then Tampa throws back 
uh, Kucherov and you've got Carlson at the back, but then Tampa throws up Hedman and you've got your grinding forward in Tom Wilson, who's supposed to be putting points up, but then you throw Braden Point back. And I just don't see how Washington can really step up against what, what the best in the Atlantic can provide against them. Look, it'd be a, it'd be a miracle if Tampa Bay are playing the way they're playing right now in the playoffs. They're going to be a really tough team to go through. And I think Washington Caps haven't really, they haven't really bolstered their team enough to go to match up well against Tampa Bay. How much improvement does Braden Holpe have left in him? Because saving at 19 throughout the regular season, by his standards, that's just an abomination. Yeah, that's, that's very, that's very low on his part, but hopefully he can. He can pull it out for the playoffs and come in clutch for them. Well, they certainly do need to pick up the goaltending and the offense because the penalty kill ranks 24th in the NHL. That's out of 31 teams. They're killing penalties at 79%. So make a case for me. How does Washington get through to win the Cup, or is it just a bridge too far given what they're putting forward at the moment? Look, if they, you know, they they are still 10th in the power play percentage. So Mm. it. If that power play is pumping and they get the right calls, uh, anything can happen. Alex Ovechkin one-timing just from off to the side of the net is just scary whenever you think so. You've got to think that Alex Ovechkin is going to lead the way. We go from a team that has really struggled in terms of the goaltending to a team that has really lived off the goaltending so far, and that's the New York Islanders. I think it's fair to say this is probably the surprise packet of the season, given they were tipped to run last, even behind my Ottawa Senators, once they lost John Tavares in free agency. Absolutely. They're just, they're just a they're solid looking team. You know, they're, they're all cylinders are very deep from first line to fourth line. They have unreal goaltending, whether it be the backup or the starter, you know, they're, they're the real surprise of the season. Robin Leonard saving at 928. Thomas Grease is the backup or Thomas Grice, I should say, is the backup and he's parking it at 9.26. And really, the, the scoring is happening really by committee because Matt Barzell, he's the leading point scorer. He's potted 18 goals and 62 points throughout the season. Brock Nelson's got 24 goals and 51 points. But some of the shooting percentages for the Islanders, I'm just a bit worried. Brock Nelson, okay, 14% is sustainable. But Casey Sizikas, 20 goals, and he's shooting at 18.5%. Valtteri Filpula, 15 goals. He's shooting at 20%. That That's not feasible to continue into the playoffs. So how do the New York Islanders keep scoring goals, knowing that once you get to the playoffs, those percentages are going to get ground down? I think they're just, I think they're just thinking team-oriented. They've got trots leading the way. And they have they're, they're obviously feeding off their goaltending. So, but they, they and they also have a very average PK and a subpar PP. So I, it's it's just a grind grind and go for the Islanders. Yeah, that power play I think is the third worst in the league. They're they're clocking in at fourteen point six percent, and the pe- the penalty kills under eighty percent, and anything under eighty in the NHL, you're going to have major problems. So I I. I feel for the Islander fans, they've waited a long time to look like a team that can do, that can even tie their own laces together, let alone make the playoffs and win in the playoffs. But I, I really don't see them. It doesn't matter who they come up against in the first in the first or second round. If you get through Pittsburgh, I don't see them getting through Washington. If they can pull out a miracle against Washington, then Pittsburgh will have them for breakfast, surely, in a seven-game series. Yeah, it's certainly going to be fun to watch. They're they're really going to struggle. Speaking of the Pittsburgh Penguins, anybody who counts them out has just got absolute rocks in their head. Matt Murray, 920 save percentage. Casey DeSmith is clocking at 916. Sidney Crosby's posted 94 points this season, even by his standards. In the current, I don't know whether you can even call it the dead puck era anymore because players are posting so many points. They're really going hard. Phil Kessel's 24 goals through the season for 74 points. As you mentioned before, Jake Gensel has been a revelation playing on Crosby's wing. He's potted 38 goals at the time of recording, so there's every chance he's going to go into the playoffs as a 40-goal scorer. He's shooting at almost eight. Chris Latang has 56 points through 63 games. They're clocking in on the power play at almost 25%. That's good for fifth in the league. This is a team that took a long time to get going, but now when you look at them, you've got to think they're going to be one of the genuine contenders. Yeah, absolutely. That Crosby's just going to come into the playoffs and he's going to he's going to do his thing. Gensel's going to pot home about a hat trick every game. It's just it's going to be fun to watch. Now, what happens though if that Crosby, Malkin, Gensel top two pair, 
top two system with Kessel even. What if that shuts down? They don't have an awful lot of depth scoring behind them. So do, do they then rely on the penalty kill to step up? Or does Matt Murray have something extra in the tank? Because he started out badly. He had some injuries, but he's clocking in at 9.20. And that, that's pretty solid goaltending for a kid his, his age, even with a couple of Stanley Cups behind him. Yeah, he's, he just needed his time to warm up. He'll be he'll be ready for the playoffs. And they have a they have the fifth best power play percentage. So I think they should be should be good walking into the into the metro division playoffs now this is where things get a little bit murky and we don't really know how we're going to see these teams perform through the wild card and it really does depend on luck of the draw because you're facing off against Washington the Washingtons and the Tampas of the world so and this is where we're going to stop because we're going to do a little bit of an intro because we don't know who's in what order or even if these guys make it so this is where we start with Carolina um, three two clocking into the wild card positions or one of them at least, the Carolina Hurricanes. Now, their goaltending average at best, Peter Mrazek, 9-11, Curtis McElhinney, the backup at 9-12, Sebastian Aho's been a revelation, Toivo Teravainen's been good, but after that, it, it's a bit of a grind. They're 23rd overall at the time of recording goals against, and the power play is really ordinary, but that penalty kill, given that they can't defend at 5-on-5, five five, the fact that they're kill, killing penalties at 82%, I, I can't figure this team out. Yeah, you know, they've, they've figured out the PK that they're running on all cylinders. They're going to have to rely on that on the in the going against juggernauts in the playoffs if they make it. So it should be good. Now, the, the, the thing that's taken the league by storm so far this season, if you'll pardon the pun with the Carolina Hurricanes, is the thing that they call the storm surge. After the game, they don't just celebrate on the ice with a few hugs, a few bats, a few taps on the ice with the stick and then raise the stick to the crowd. They're going fishing. They're going 10-pin bowling on the ice, using players as props. How much of a distraction do you think is this from actually playing hockey, or do you think that it's a nice little, um, um, I suppose, pressure pressure valve release at the end of the game to really keep it fun and exciting through the dog days of the season. Yeah, absolutely. They're, they've got a bunch of young kids, so they're, they're obviously having they're having fun with it. It's obviously a fresh new change from past seasons. It's obviously very, very bad seasons. So yeah. they're, just, they're just looking to they're looking to have some fun in the in the locker room. Now, the, as I say, the goaltending's been average, and the fact that they've got those kids, really, that, that pressure release is really doing them some good by the looks of it. What do you think Rod Brindamore has brought in? Because in something like four seasons with the team, Bill Peters, who's off in Calgary now, he, he couldn't do anything with this team, and all of a sudden, Rod Brindamore comes in, and yeah, they started the season slowly, but they found themselves in a wild card now, so anything's possible once you get into the playoffs. Yeah, absolutely. Fresh, fresh new faces always help. And it's quite different for Rod Brindamore to actually get in on the ground floor as a coach that can actually deliver something, given that he's part of the alumni. And most of the time, people look down on the alumni just coming straight back in, although he did serve a bit of an apprenticeship. So he'd know these Carolina kids quite well, I would imagine. Yeah, absolutely. And now we've got to just um, do a special intro for Columbus, assuming they make it. If you want to talk luck, how about this for a team that, that they went out at the deadline, they didn't know what to do, they have their two biggest names probably leaving in the off-season, one because Columbus isn't prepared to pay him what he wants, and two because he wants to move to a bigger market, and Columbus is a very small market to say the least, but Columbus Blue Jackets, they went out, they loaded up, got Matt Duchesne from Ottawa, got Ryan Dezingle from Ottawa. Duchesne and Dezingle have been really disappointing so far, but the penalty kill... 84.5%. That's good for fourth overall in the league. The power play is nothing to write home about. They're, they're almost last in the power play, but the penalty kill shows that with Panarin up front, with Duchesne up front, with Dezingle up front, with Cam Atkinson up front, it's guys like Seth Jones who are really carrying this team through the back end of the season. Yeah, they've had a bit of a rollercoaster season bloating up and having very average goaltending. It doesn't help, but Panarin's still doing his thing and I think I think that they they could be a they could be a little sleeper in the playoffs here. Do you think if Columbus come up against the likes of a Pittsburgh or a Tampa that they're going to be found out, or do you think that they have the ability to go right all the way through and really take down the big names and not just be a sleeper against some of the lesser lights like the Islanders? They certainly have the assets for that. If they if they run on all cylinders like like they know they ha know how to play, I think they should be fine going against those juggernauts, matching up pretty well. 
you come up against an Islanders in the first round, you've got to be pretty confident that you're going to win your first ever playoff series. Remembering that Columbus has never been out of the first round in their history. I think they've only been to the playoffs two or three times and they've, they've been lit up on a couple of occasions and they almost got there one time. But do you think this is the year of Columbus? Obviously, if they fire on all cylinders, that they've got the ability to beat anybody. But do you think this is the year they can fire on all cylinders at least through the first round? Definitely through the first round. Um, they, can, they can definitely find the islanders on their back foot if they come out the way that they're supposed to play but you know that's that's come game time okay we get to the business end of the metro we're looking at the conference final i assume you're going to pick tampa bay to come out of the atlantic but we'll get to that in a moment who is lining up for the metro division in the eastern conference final who do you think makes it to face off i would imagine against tampa pittsburgh penguins you think Sid's going to go back and put Alex back in the corner again? Or do you think that Pittsburgh probably dodged that because Washington are going to find the going a bit difficult in the first round? Sid's, Sid won't let it go. You know, that last year was a was a bit of a disappointment, but I think he's, come, he's coming back with some revenge. So Sid's got a point to prove. I like that narrative. The Atlantic Division. Now... We've we've read, or hockey fans have read about the disasters that have befallen the Atlantic Division. My Senators, the Detroit Red Wings need no introduction. Buffalo and Florida have been very disappointing. So now we're basically down to the dregs of what was left. But you wouldn't exactly call it the dregs of what's left, given how top-heavy the Atlantic Division is, because for a long time, yeah, the top five teams overall in the NHL, three of them came from the Atlantic. Yeah, no, it's a, it's definitely a different it's a different outlook, and it's it's refreshing to see. Tampa Bay up top dominating and then obviously the Boston Bruins back up top and and uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs you know uh, everyone loves them so it's good to see them back in the playoffs everyone loves them except those people who hate them so uh, which is very uh, very polarizing team the Leafs absolutely you know they got the Hockey Hall of Fame and everything so now we can't we can't go past them. The Tampa Bay Lightning, they're, they're insanely talented. They're playing insanely good hockey at the moment. Andre Vasilevsky's saving at 9.25, and he's been he's been solid without being spectacular by his standards this season, which is scary. Nikita Kucherov, 122 points, and we're not done yet for the regular season. And he's not shooting completely out of the realm. He's shooting at 16%. You'd normally expect a guy like him, a top-line sniper, maybe 12 or 13%, so 16 isn't out of this world. Stamkos, 41 goals. This is where I start to worry, though. Stamkos is shooting at 18%. Braden Point's topped 40 goals. He's shooting at 21.5%. Now, the PK is second in the league. The power play is first in the league. When you've got guys shooting at 18 and 21, that's going to regress in the playoffs. So where where do you think the banana skin comes from? Is it shutting down the Tampa offense and Tampa can't generate secondary scoring? Or is it the fact that you can find a way around the Tampa Bay defensive system? What? presents the greatest opportunity to beat Tampa, or is it Vasilevsky um, wetting his pants? Well, I don't think Kucherov and uh, Stamkos are slowing down anytime soon, so they're going to have to catch Vasilevsky off his game for a a fair amount of games, Um, but they have an unreal PK, good power play, and the the defense are just unbelievable, so once you you get past those those forwards, you you got to deal with the D. So it's it's hard to it's hard to say, but probably you got to attack them while they while they don't have that first and second line on. You've got to think that the weakness, if you can even call him a weakness, is probably Vasilevsky because he's still young by goaltending standards. But even to call him a weakness, I think that's a bit of a stretch. Yeah, you know he he has he has better numbers than most of the other goalies in the yeah. playoffs. I, I think he is still he'll still perform the way he's been performing. Well, now now we might get to the rest perhaps, and this, this might be the kindest way to describe the way that the rest of the or the remainder of the Atlantic Division stacks up because it's difficult to see anybody taking the Tampa Bay Lightning. But we come down to the team that I think has been fairly surprising, not necessarily this season, but the way they've avoided the total teardown and rebuild by some really good drafting in the later rounds. Even though a couple of seasons ago they had three picks in the first round and just there's no polite way to say this they crap their pants on the lot they pass on guys like Barzell and Kyle Connor and Thomas Shabbat to take really guys that are just stuck in the AHL at the moment but some of their depth drafting has been good as much as I hate to pay credit to the guy because he's just got the most punchable face in the NHL and he's a player that not even his own mother could love Brad Marchand has almost posted 100 points at the time of recording 
Patrice Bergeron, 63 games played, 32 goals, 78 points. He's posting points at a rapid rate, and considering he's renowned for his defensive play as a forward. David Pasternak, 77 points through 63 games, 36 goals amongst them. Tory Kruger's really chipped in from the blue line. I've been really impressed with him because I didn't expect him to be chipping in as much as he has. Yeah, Kruger's one of my favourite defenders to watch. He's shifty. He has unreal snipes. You know, he he finds he finds the puck to all these forwards. You know, that's why they ha- that's why they're putting up numbers this season. He's a really deceptive player because he, the way he plays the game, you think that he doesn't really have that in him, and then all of a sudden he'll just go bang, bang, bang. And as you say, it's a Pasternak or it's a Marchand or it's a Bergeron putting it in, or all of a sudden you you've set yourself up in the other zone, and he, he just doesn't look as though he's that sort of player, but he just pokes his head up just at the right time. He has an uncanny an uncanny sense of timing as to when to get himself involved in the offensive play. Absolutely, and that's that's part of the reason that attributes to the 26% third in the league power play. That power play is quite scary. So if you give, if you give up the man advantage against the Brosson Bruins, if you find yourself on the penalty kill, good luck with that. But their, their kill's not bad either. It's 10th overall. It's it's not elite level, but that they're breaking that magic 80% marker. And once you're breaking 80%, you've got to back yourself in against most teams, well, apart from Tampa, possibly. Yes, well, this is this. these are all the factors that have put them second in the Atlantic, so... Does Zidane Chara become in the playoffs an asset or a liability? Given that he's forty-one, he's six foot nine. He's a big unit, but being a big unit, he is slowing down at his age. Does that physicality and size bear good fruit for Boston, or does it bear bad tidings for Boston, given that he's old and he's starting to slow down? I think you still have to play him. It's. I think it's good for them because it does bring a good shot from the back. They they definitely need that along with McAvoy and Krug. They need a they definitely need a big defender. And, you know, he brings a veteran presence to the locker room as well. He's been he's been in the playoffs multiple times, so he knows what's going on. You're right, it's a brutal slap shot. And speaking of the Boston Bruins beating being brutal, you can't go past the Bruins in the playoffs for their twenty thirteen game seven miracle when they took down the team that everybody loves or loves to hate in the Toronto Maple Leafs and it's just been for me as a Senators fan it's been lovely just seeing the Leafs really crap themselves down the stretch because you had Mitch Marner yeah he's sitting on 25 goals and 91 points this season Tavares has been good Matthews was injured but he's posting more than a point per game but the, the the blue line is a real drama for them. Morgan Riley is really the main the main man there for the Leafs because the penalty kill sitting on 13th, they went out and got Jake Muzzin, and then Mike Babcock said, well, he wasn't perfect, but it's what we're stuck with. I thought that, that's hardly a way to welcome your bright, your bright spanking new acquisition um, from Los Angeles. Yeah, you see, Mike Babcock is he's just... He's very sad about his his blue line nowadays, <laughs> but you know that they're, they're very they're very good up up front with Mana and Tavares and Matthews and the the list goes on and on. Kapanen, for example, they they have a lot of depth in the forwards, but they obviously need to figure out their defense in the coming years. And you know, going into the playoffs, it's definitely going to be a weak spot for them. Yeah. Going into the playoffs, is Toronto even going into the playoffs in the sort of form that would see them even consider themselves a chance against Boston? Because twice in two weeks, my Senators, and I still love saying this, have lit them up by a total of 10 goals to four. They beat them 6-2, and then they got a 4-2 result over the Leafs, my Senators. So if the Leafs are losing to the last-place team, and it's not even close in terms of who's running last, if they can lose two games by a combined score of 10-4 this close to the playoffs, surely Mike Babcock's got to be absolutely packing it. Yeah, it's definitely not a, it's definitely not a good look for them. You know, Ottawa Sens, they're very woeful, so they they really got to figure their stuff out going into the playoffs. you got to think that the Bruins will take them easily in that first matchup. All right, we've had a look at the best of the Metro. We've had a look at the playoff teams in the Atlantic. We know that you like Pittsburgh to come out of the Metro. Humor me for a moment because we know who you're going to pick because anybody who is anybody will be picking Tampa to make it out of the Atlantic. But let's humor ourselves for a minute and everybody listening. Let, let's assume that Tampa 
Tampa completely implode and they drop into a black hole and are never heard from again, which team's most likely to come out of the Atlantic, do you think? Boston or Toronto? I like I like Boston a lot more. They, they have depth on D, depth on forward, and then they have a couple of goalies that can that can really clutch it out for them. And am I right in assuming that you are going to take Tampa to make it out of the Atlantic just straight up and down, or do you think Boston can actually take them? Look, we've seen it before. They've won the President's Trophy and then lost in the first couple of rounds. So it's it's the playoffs, baby. Anything can happen. But I, I do think that Tampa Bay looking pretty unbeatable this year. I do like that sentiment. It is the playoffs, baby. It's a great time of year in the NHL. The real season is getting started, and we're just getting started here on the bench and on Splinters. It's going to be a great playoff series. Jeremy, thanks for joining us once again on Splinters, and hopefully we can get you back to have a chat about the AIHL season uh, when we do our preview in a couple of weeks. Absolutely. Well, that's Jeremy Vasquez from the Sydney Bears taking us through the Eastern Conference and the playoff matchups as they are in the first round coming out of the Atlantic division, Tampa Bay topping the table with the President's Trophy. They will face the Columbus Blue Jackets in the first round. Boston Bruins will host the Toronto Maple Leafs. I wish you all the best there, Leafs fans, with that history. Washington Capitals topping the Metro division. They will face the Carolina Hurricanes in the Storm Surge. That'll be an interesting one to see how the Canes react to that. And in probably the most intriguing matchup in the East, the Pittsburgh Penguins are giving up home ice against the New York Islanders. So that is going to be one to watch indeed. We're going to take a break here on Splinters. Coming up after the break, it is Queanbeyan local and Fairbairn Bombers star David Gazart, former Calgary Herald scribe. He'll be talking us through the Western Conference right after this on Splinters. It's time to hit the ice. You're all about caring Sydney Bears are back for the 2019 Australian Ice Hockey League season with all the speed, hits and goals that ice hockey is famous for. Buy a season ticket package to ensure you're not left out in the cold as your Bears rip and tear with the aim of going one better on last year to claim the 2019 Goodall Cup. Log on to bearsden.com.au for all your season ticket and merchandise options. And for the latest Bears news and updates, tune in to The Bench every Friday from 6pm. Sydney Bears, hear us roar. Sponsors of Triple H. Welcome back to Splinters here on Triple H 100.1 FM, streaming live on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au. You can also download us anywhere you get your podcasts, podcast.com, Spotify, TuneIn, iTunes. We're taking over the podcast world here on Splinters. We already set the agenda and we're taking over the podcast world. It's time for the NHL Western Conference. And if you thought that Jeremy was keeping it low key, then you can forget about low key in the Western Conference half of this podcast because I've never seen someone so excited to be topping the conference. It is Calgary Flames tragic. Former Calgary Herald writer Queanbeyan local and Fairbairn bomber David Gazard. Welcome back to Splinters. Thanks Keith. Good to be with you again. Now let's kick things off in the Central Division so we can let you have your say about the Calgary Flames and how excited you are about that and the Western Conference has been decided as of the recording. We are recording this after the Western Conference has been fully put to bed unlike the Eastern Conference. We had to get in early because Jeremy's got some pre-season commitments. So let's kick things off with the Winnipeg Jets. They finished uh, runners-up in the Central Division and they'll be taking on the third-placed St. Louis Blues. And the Winnipeg Jets, I've got to say that for what they put on last season, I thought they were a bit of a disappointment this year. Winnipeg was sort of strangely absent come the last part of the season, weren't they? And Mm. I I think there'd be a lot of people starting to doubt whether they're going to get back to, you know, the whiteout this year. Um, they, they they just sort of struggled to keep it together as the season went on. They, they had a critical injury with Bufflin late in the year, but there was just something that didn't quite work in the last 15 or 20 games, and they were really sort of cruising, and then it sort of let go, didn't it? I, I You sort of wonder if everything is okay with that team. Um, I, I know there are sort of, you know, a lot of people in Winnipeg that have got crosshairs on Lane and the guy's got the biggest shot going around but he just couldn't seem to pull it together at the end he just didn't seem interested um, I, I know Don Cherry you know Rock'em Sock'em Hockey commentator Don Cherry for those, goes, for those that aren't familiar with Don Cherry he's the Canadian guy with the grey hair and the beard he wears those suits that are so loud you've got to turn the volume down on your TV they are just absolutely wonderful to look at but fashion sense maybe 
a little bit of drift, but certainly very loud suits. But I know he ripped into line A definitely. He, he did. He, and he, he sort of, you know, he sort of said, this guy's got the most amazing shot. He just needs to let it go. What What is his problem? He's got to get this together. So you just kind of got the feeling there was a bit of a cancer problem maybe with, with the club. They, they certainly got the talent. And when they turn it on, they're, they're an awesome team. I mean, they could go deep, deep, deep into the playoffs if they really get their act together. Yeah, I'm with Winnipeg at the moment. I just don't know whether they're going to have it in them. But by the same token, you look at what the goaltending has done this season and Connor Hellebuck was, he was the prodigy to end all goaltending concerns here, there and everywhere. And to turn out a 9-13 season, that, that's not bad, but it's certainly not what you'd expect of a guy who really had things on the way up and he signed a big contract in the offseason. He, um, he was a Vesna Trophy finalist last mm-hmm. year, but he ended up 34-23, which, you know, isn't that great? Um, 2.9 goals against and a 9.13 save percentage. Uh, went 6-3-1 in his last 10 games, so he's sort of not doing too bad, but he certainly isn't blowing the doors off, is he? He's not, but on the flip side of the equation with this matchup, yeah, the St. Louis Blues, Jordan Binnington, he saved their season. They were headed for the draft lottery. I remember 30 games in that the discussion was, is it going to be the Kings? Is it going to be the Senators? Is it going to be the Blues to run last and have the best lottery odds? And somehow they've crawled up into third in the Central, which I don't know if that says more about the standard of the Central or what Jordan Binnington has been able to pull together for the St. Louis side. He's he's an unbelievable rookie. He's having a great season and he has a very very stingy defense in front of him. I think they they allowed the fourth lowest or the fourth fewest shots on goal of any team in the NHL this year. So they they really protected the rookie, but he's done a fantastic job, hasn't he? And they they went they were they were they were bargain basement, weren't they, early in the season, but they've sort of come on, you know, with a wet sail later on. So they they they're looking pretty good. So gee, w- would you want to call a a, a a a favorite in 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 this particular in this particular series, it could go either way. Well, for, for the way that St. Louis have come home with a wet sail in the back half of the season down the stretch, I'd almost be inclined to say St. Louis going as favourites with all that momentum. Yeah, I, I, I tend to agree with you, Keith. Now, on the other side of the draw in the Central Division, Nashville topped the division and they will play the, as it turned out, the first wildcard team because they finished lower than the winner of the Pacific Division, so they'll play the team that finished first in that wildcard race in the Dallas Stars, but the Nashville Predators, Kyle Tourist never really got going this season. The goaltending's been okay without being spectacular. That power play is disgraceful, last in the NHL, but it's the defense that just keeps keeping on for them, and the penalty kill sixth overall. As, you, as you'd expect with a Nashville team that looks as though at the next expansion draft, they're going to have to protect four defensemen because they just can't afford to lose those sorts of guys for nothing. Yeah, that's right. They, they Nashville had some problems early on. Don't forget with with injuries. They had some pretty big guys go down with injuries. PK Subban, Arvidsson, Philip Forsborg were down early in the season, but they have kind of come on strong as late, uh, strong of late as well. They, uh, I think they went something like eight, two, and one in their last eleven games. So, and and you know that they they used that to claim the central division. So they're sort of running in hot. Um, so I, I wouldn't count them out, even though they have had some. Some, some 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 trouble um, with with defence, and they've got home ice against a team that. Well, if you want to talk about riding your luck into the playoffs, not necessarily the luck, but they've certain ridden goaltending into the playoffs. The Dallas Stars, Ben Bishop, nine thirty four save percentage. Anton Kadobin, the backup, is saving at nine twenty three, and that goaltending has just been absolutely sensational. Fifth overall in the penalty kill, just under eighty three percent, and th- this is a team that used to score goals for fun and win games. 8-7 and 7-6 and 6-4 but now they're grinding results out under Montgomery, their new coach and I think that's got a lot to do with the fact that I know Sagan got panned as well as Ben during the season by the owner and we spoke last time about Jason Spezza just being a, a cancer or an anchor on this team so they've had to find different ways to win. The other thing to think about this right, Bishop is playing really well uh, Kadoblin is, is is certainly a worthy backup but on the other end of the ice you got Pekka 
Rene, right? Mm. Vesna Trophy year last year. Uh, again, very, very solid. 9.18% um, save um, rate. So um, you could have a really, really low-scoring game. I, I, I think you're right about that. You can't see too many games going 7-8, 5-6 in this one. You, you could have some 2-1s. You know, you could have some shutouts here. You could go extra time. You could go to shootouts in, in, in this series. There's no doubt about that. Uh, well, actually, you won't, you won't go shootouts, will you? I they was going to let you go they, on that they, one. They, they, they just keep playing now. So, yeah, yeah forget, the, forget the coin yeah, toss. The, um, we're we're the beyond that. Over, yeah, yeah, the double overtime but, that I'm still getting over from a couple of years ago in Pittsburgh. But yeah. no, no player, <laughs> uh, aside from uh, Sagan, Radulov and Ben, no other player has more than 16 goals. I think Radek Faxa checked in at 15 on the last day of the season. I tell you what, you're going to need to up your production, aren't you? Um, oh, yeah. And especially if you're up against a good goalie, you you got to have some people there that can put some pressure on the net. There's no doubt. Given that both sides are so stingy, where do you, or who do you think finds the better offense? A team that really has been scoring by committee in the Nashville Predators or the Dallas Stars who haven't been scoring so much by committee but have been relying on Sagan, Radulov and Ben to produce pretty much all of it. Yeah, yeah. On the other side, you got Zuccarello who, who came across from the Rangers who I like. Uh, he Broke his he, arm uh, about five minutes he, into his Dallas debut. Yeah, he, I, I think he blocked a shot in the arm and busted his arm. He's come back. So he's there. He can find the net. So, um, yeah, look, it's tough to call this one. I, I'm kind of glad, actually, you know, we'll get straight to the flame straight away. I'm glad we didn't match up against the Dallas Stars. They beat us every game this year. So uh, they, they don't, you know, they're one of those weird teams that can find the right chemistry per team. And if they uh, they get it going, they, they are very, very stingy on defense. So uh, Nashville took the series 3-2 this year. So it could go either way. And if there's a team, and if there's a time of year, I should say, that you don't want to run into a hot goaltender, it is playoff time. So I'm leaning Dallas simply because of that Bishop Cadoban um, pairing, but it's it's going to be a tough one. So it, it's really difficult to get a read on where this series goes because of the goaltending situation. You're quite right. 50-50. You wouldn't want to put your house car boat on it, would you? You no, would it, be. Uh, this is the last nervous. series. Yeah, yeah this very is the last nervous. series you'd be betting anything on, regardless of where you had the money or where you had the asset coming from. You'd probably just put that in the pocket and wait for uh, another series to come along. We'll head across to the Pacific Division and we'll start with the seed game so that we can leave that wild card um, showdown until last. But this one is going to be really intriguing as well, simply because you've got elite goaltending versus solid goaltending in that Nashville-Dallas series. And if you want a mirror image of that with solid goaltending versus really disgraceful goaltending, this is it because Marc-Andre Fleury is checking in at 9.13. That, that's good. It's not great, but it's good and it's solid. It's above 9.10, which is basically the minimum expectation in the NHL. Please explain to me as someone who has watched the Pacific Division all season, how do the San Jose Sharks make it to the playoffs, not just into the playoffs, but as the second best team in the Pacific Division, riding goaltenders who are saving at 8.96 and 8.86? I, I do not know the answer to that. I would be lying if I said I did. I, I thought they were coming <clears throat> and could take the division in a uh, in a big way about about 15 games ago, and they just collapsed. I, I do not know what has happened to them. They they did have and and you would be familiar with Eric Carlson. Uh, he he um, he had a, a a groin strain and missed 17 straight games. I think he came back for the final game of the season, but he missed 17 straight games. So clearly, I think they missed him on defence. But they just could not find a way to win with the whole season on the line. So uh, they got pipped to the post by by Calgary in the end. Everyone was thinking it was coming down to uh, could come down to you know the final games of the year. And in the end, they they were just weren't in it. They couldn't. They could not win in the end. Well, it was a, it was shaping up as a three way battle only a couple of months ago. And yeah, you're right. San Jose face planted and Vegas slowed down a bit, and Calgary just kept going. But I do like this little curse that's going. Mark Mathot draft picked up in the expansion draft by Vegas, ended up at Dallas and has barely played and Carlson left Ottawa in a trade and barely got out of first gear for San Jose and Dion Phaneuf left Ottawa for LA and they've crumbled in a blubbering heap so how long until Calgary trade for Cody Ceci? Look, I, 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 
we we do not want to go there. But let me just let me just arrest you on that little you know as if you got some sort of curse over these players because I I want you to tell me about how good Mark Stone has been. Right, he was the one that got away this year, and that Vegas has gone from scoring three goals a game to three point three goals a game since he got there. So uh, he has had a massive influence on that team, and I would say would be a big loss to Ottawa. But we, you know, I, yeah. I, I don't want to touch you up on that, uh, Keith. I don't want to touch you up at all. You've you've well, suffered the, this season. The, for, the forwards who have been <laughs> traded out this season have gone on and done all right. Duchesne and Dzingel dragged Columbus almost single-handedly into the playoffs. And Mark Stone, you're right, he's been electric. But he was exactly what that team needed. They were just struggling to get a bit of goal scoring. And Stone's numbers, his numbers might not be that great, but that's because everybody knows what Stone is capable of. And his benefit is not necessarily providing that offense, but that defensive prowess up front where he can steal the puck and pick off those passes and give it to those more productive players for Vegas, like your Marcia Sows, like your William Carlson's, Stastny's and your Pacioretty's. And they can put the puck in the back of the net. And but because he's down that end, picking off those passes, that's when Vegas can set up without needing to take the puck out of their own end and set up in the first instance. I tell you what, don't don't get me started on the depths at with Vegas. I mean, they they're just ridiculous, right? They 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 got the world's most generous expansion terms. They went all the way last year, got to the got to the Stanley Cup. They've got depth to trade. They've actually made good trades. You know, I mean, talk about starting with uh, a silver spoon in your mouth. I I, I got to say, uh, you know, San Jose are no slouches though either. I I think they had what eight players with more than fifty points this season. They've got a really, really good uh, power play. You know, I think they're mm. up in the top five, somewhere near the top five in, in power play. So they, they they can score, right? They, they are a really good team. They're both really good teams, to be honest. Again, it is a tough call to to to, to actually start thinking about who will come out of this at the end of seven games. That it, it, San Jose, I think, took the season series 2-2, you know, so... Uh, well, I think it comes call. down, I think it comes down to exactly how much of a physical grinding game can San Jose play because if they decide to try and skate with Vegas they're going to get to- they're going to get toweled up three ways from Sunday if they can turn it into a physical grind then that might be their best option trying to fire those pucks in from deep along the blue line at point through the likes of Carlson and Vlasic and and Burns because you can't skate with with Vegas they're just going to run rings around yeah they're they're a, they're a fast team aren't they um Martin Jones you reckon he's got it uh, for for San Jose and Net well you know, he's, he's going like- to have to stand on his head just to keep keep San Jose in this based on what he's turned in so far this season because if he saves at 900 in the playoffs Vegas probably comes up with a sweep yeah yeah that's right and he I think he went through the season with 896 so he he uh, he's a weak link um, Aaron Dell the backup 3.17 you know so it's not like they've uh, they've got an impregnable wall in front of the net have they this is basically the the contrast with the stars they've ridden their goaltending and San Jose have succeeded in spite of the goaltending yeah for that reason, yeah. I've got to go with Vegas, even though Vegas is is on the road. Well, they're on the road for four of seven. They're home of, for three of seven. But I can't see San Jose standing up with those goaltending numbers. Yeah, and they, they finished the season. You know, there'd be a lot of doubts, I think, in those players' minds. They they really have had a poor into the season. They're now up against a team that went through a bit of a sophomore slump at the beginning of the year, but have come mm-hmm. home really well. Uh, I, I'm with you. I, I'm backing Vegas in this one. I couldn't believe how many people were so keen to load up and say, that it's all over and it's done and thanks for coming Vegas and it was just a flash in the pan. I mean, it was 10 or 15 games in before Vegas got their legs from under them and Washington were doing the same thing and mind you, they had a Stanley Cup hangover or in Alex Ovechkin's case, as we said a little earlier, a literal hangover in his case, given his escapades after winning the Cup. <laughs> so, did, that guy, did that guy stop drinking for like 50 days? <laughs> I, I think it was about, I think it was just shy of two months that he yeah, just partied yeah. for and I couldn't believe that he actually got back in shape enough to start the season and then he was just electric right through and take out another rocket Rashad and he's just a freak but now your favourite time even even hungover uh, I'll dominate you well hungover he he might get outscored by maybe who would you say probably get him in that situation maybe a a Pedersen but that's assuming that this isn't just a flash in the pan 
interesting start to the season because Pedersen, if he comes in next season and has a sophomore slump, you never know what might happen. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. All right. Now it's time for you to have some fun. So make your case as to why your Calgary Flames will sweep the Colorado Avalanche. I've certainly got Calgary winning this series because I just don't I just don't see where Colorado get any scoring after that first line, but it is an absolutely brutal line. McKinnon's posted 99 points, Ranton and 87. Landeskog has posted 75 from 73, and Ranton and that 87 points came in 74 games. So they're not they're not exactly struggling, but the Calgary use the fact that they've got an insane five players who have posted more than 70 points? Do they go after Colorado with the power play? Um, because Colorado's penalty kill, it's under 80%. Yeah, although you know, it gives me no pleasure in saying this, and you know me, Keith, very well. I'm I'm objective on all these fronts, and oh, yeah. you, 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 you can trust what I say here. <laughs> uh, the, you know, the power play hasn't been that great for, for, for Calgary. Um, they do have a lot more depth than Colorado does. And I don't think there is too much fear in Calgary about playing Colorado in the first round. In fact, you know, I I know that was the preferred team they wanted to play. They really didn't want to play Dallas. Dallas, for whatever reason, had a hoodoo thing over them. They swept them over the course of the season. So they were very glad to play a team that they think really only has one line. It's a great line. I, I will give you that. But the Flames have emerged this year, even though they've got a bunch of players with 70, 70 points this year, they, they, they've emerged to, to be able to count on guys going right down into the fourth line. In fact, there was a period in the last 10 games where the, the top line actually didn't score a goal for five or six games and they were carried by the guys on the fourth line. So, you know, I think that's been a boost. I, I, I think their, their, their depth is just way more superior than, than the Avs. Um, and I, I think probably the Avs would admit that as well. But, but you know, what a first line. I mean, the Avs have got an unbelievable good line, right? McKinnon, 99 points. Rantanen, Landeskog, 87 and 75 points. So that is, that's some serious production. So you, you'd want to have Geo, you'd want to have your, 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 your top defensive pairing on the on the ice when those guys are out there if you can. And you got that because it's, uh, it's, it's you got a home ice advantage. What does intrigue me though, and we spoke about this in the trade deadline edition for the Flames, is you're coming up against the Avalanche. Grubauer was a career back up in Washington. Yeah. He's saving at yeah. 917, Varlamov 909. What happens if Riddich for your Flames lays an egg? Is it really conducive to winning to go to Mike Smith as the backup who's saving at 898? Big save, Dave. Laying an egg. Come on, Keith. Get serious. <laughs> Come on. Well, it's, it's uh, the playoffs. Anything can it, happen. Ottawa almost made the final a couple of years ago. Correct. And and this, you know, is unknown. How, how does how does Riddich play in the, in the playoffs? Well, we don't know. He's never been there before. And uh, and Smith, you know, he's finished the season really well, but you know he's old. He's I think thirty six this year, maybe even thirty seven. So you probably can't see him going round again. Although he really has been solid. He enters the playoffs very experienced, and he has played really well in the last twenty games. So I think they will go with with uh, with Smitty uh, to start the series, but they will count. They've shared the load all the way through the season. I, I can't see that changing unless one of them goes really cold. How many? games do you think, if Calgary play to their potential, how many games do they need to dispatch the Avalanche? Because I, I don't think they can sweep them. Yeah, I don't think I'll sweep them. Five, six, yeah. Yeah, so coming out of the Pacific, if Calgary do go on, who who's the preferred opponent, San Jose or Vegas? I think San Jose, just because we've beaten them recently and because they're playing poorly. I, I wouldn't want to go against Vegas. Vegas. Vegas are hungry. They know how to win. They went there last year. They'll be looking to go there again. I, I would not want to play those guys. Giordano might be in Norris form, but given that he is getting on, it, I, I have to agree, you, you wouldn't want to try and have him skating with, with Vegas at any any time in the series. Yeah, I, I don't think, although actually, while I say this, I'm I'm saying it against the backdrop of him tripping Connor McDavid last night and, and McDavid went into the net and thought he'd broken his leg and Gio said, he, I just couldn't stay with him, so I... I dived. I went for the puck, and and they and McDavid, you know, acknowledged that he said, "I, I don't think it was D." 
dirty. But clearly, McDavid, who is really speedy, got got around the outside of him, and he had to pull on the desperation last lunging dive to, to knock the puck away. And he just happened to sort of take his feet out, and he just went into the net, and we all wept about that, didn't we? Not. Oh, yeah, anyway, because, because I, Cal, you're so concerned about the welfare of the Edmonton Oilers and their troubles this season have just tugged at your heartstrings. I know. I, I, I've, I've, <laughs> I've lain awake at night long and often worrying about the Oilers. Um, no, I haven't. And in fact... Worrying about them maybe winning another draft lottery. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Although, I've got to say, one of the great joys in life is seeing them draft poorly, trade poorly, and have a terrible team on the ice after what they did to me in my youth with Gretzky and Coffey and Messier and all the rest of them. You Grant know, Fur. I, 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 Grant Fur, I, I, I had nightmares then. I, I, I'm enjoying my latter years, put it that way. <laughs> years I like. Okay, put Calgary aside for a moment. Who comes out of the West if Calgary can't do it? Who is the most likely probably to face Tampa of all teams in the Cup Final? I, I think Vegas probably, to be honest. I, I think Vegas. Or you know, if San Jose get their mojo back and find their way again. They've definitely got the depth. They've got a lot of teams with a lot of experience for the playoff. And as you know, mate, I mean, this is the thing, isn't it? 82 games. We've all watched it. We all analyze it. And then it goes up a notch. It goes up two notches. And, and you get different teams on the ice, right? This is for real now, and you're playing for keeps. And suddenly things shift around, and you find playoff form, and it's the guys who are hungriest, the guys who are the most desperate that lead you to, to, to big wins. You need a hot hand in goal, and anything can happen. You know, like, seriously, we, we, we could be, we, you know, 82 games is a good predictor, but it, it's not it's not the final word. I, you know, and things happen, right? Things happen. That That's what makes you nervous after you, you have a great season because it can all come undone really quickly if you come up against some guy who stones you in net. It's just ridiculous, right? And you watch the season crumble away. Well, that's exactly what hap- What almost happened to Ottawa, I should say, on the reverse side of that. Somehow Ottawa made the conference final against Pittsburgh a couple of years ago and Marc-Andre Fleury laid an egg in Ottawa. Matt Murray came in and single-handedly saved the series for Pittsburgh and basically won them the cup on the back of that because Ottawa winning 4 nothing at the time in Game 3 looked set to just dominate from there and Matt Murray saved them but really that goaltending performance so with, with the Vegas side and Calgary I have to agree with you I think the I think the dominant team from the West is going to have to come from, from the Pacific because I just don't see anybody in the Central jumping up and grabbing my attention Wow you know Bay, that is going to be um, less unless something really really falls off in, in Tampa Bay my earlier comments notwithstanding right you, you would have to expect them to go through they are just such a powerful side. They've won so many games. They find a way. They've got a great team. You know, they they got the power, the offensive power. They got got, got great goaltending. You know, you'd expect to be playing Tampa Bay, wouldn't you? And that is going to be one heck of a series. And whoever, in, whoever emerges, right? Whoever emerges. Let's assume it's Calgary in a twenty-second wrap-up. How does Calgary beat Tampa? You know, I, I think that is, that's the kind of series where you really need Johnny Hockey to get hot again. Uh, you need that top line really performing. You need Chucky getting under the skin of Tampa Bay, uh, you, you know, needling, irritating, uh, crashing the net. You, you really need to, to physically dominate them and put them out of the game. You know, you get need to get inside their heads and you need your, your top line performing. Well, it's certainly going to be a hell of a playoff series, David Gale. Hopefully you don't cause too many disturbances to the public peace and uh, enjoy the playoff series as Calgary look to go all the way. Mate, it is, uh, you know, you'd certainly hope so. I've had to wait for a long time to get back to here. You know, 89, the glory years, taking down the Habs at the Forum in six games. Shout out to Jonesy. It's never quite, you know, the NHL seriously has never quite got back to that level. That's all I'd say. And we're we're in with a chance again this year. So uh, I'm I, you know who I'm going for. I certainly like your chances at the very least to come out of the West. So thank you for joining us, David. And uh, hopefully we'll uh, catch up uh, fairly soon to talk AIHL as well. Hey, always good to talk to you, Keith. Thanks a lot. David Gazard there, Queanbeyan Local, Fairbairn Bomber and Calgary Flames Tragic. That's all we've got time for on this edition of Splinters. couple of weeks' time, we're going to be talking the Australian Ice Hockey League. And so plenty of hockey coming up here on Triple H 100.1 FM and on triplehfm.com.au and on Splinters. But for now, it's bye-bye.